0: He was the Attorney General of the United States under President George Bush. His legal mind is among the sharpest in the nation. Welcome, Judge Michael Mukasey. Good to be here, Bill. I have all four hundred and forty-eight pages divided in two volumes, and you actually you won up to me because you have it in a binder already. So I do. I I got it three-hole punch, <laughs> pretty official. Uh, the first volume deals with Russia meddling the second with allegations of obstruction. You've read it, or at least most of it, so go ahead and help us understand it. Your initial reaction, Judge, is what? My initial reaction is um, we've spent,
1: what, two years?
0: Yeah, 20 months, 22 months, yes.
1: Whatever, depending on your on when mm-hmm. you think all of this started, and we can get into that later yeah. because I think it started before the time that's mentioned on page one of this report. But... Um, We've spent all that time focusing on an investigation that supposedly involved whether there was coordination or a link between the Russians and the Trump campaign. And it turns out that there was no such link. Um, It's been a long time. It's been a lot of anguish and a lot of focus. And it's consumed a lot of energy um, in this country. And that is kind of a shame. Um, One of the things that occurred to me when I – certainly when I took a look at volume one is when did Bob Mueller know or when did the people who worked with him know that there was no coordination, which was what they were looking for as a kind of – With Moscow. With Moscow. When did did they realize that? And whenever they realized that, shouldn't they have –
0: the rest of us. Mm. So if that was a year ago, that that would have been better, you're arguing? Whenever it was, because
1: their theory then became, well, that somebody was trying to obstruct their investigation. We can get into that too. But the basic underlying issue here is whether the Trump campaign coordinated with or conspired with the Russians um, to interfere in the election. Now, the the Russian interference in the election consisted apparently of hacking. That was complete when the Russians did it. So the notion that they needed somebody to cooperate in that and to help them do it, I think is, is, is kind of well, sorry, remote the, and dicey. The,
0: the hacking of the emails. Right. The DNC. Right. But also one of the more heavily – by the way, just so our listeners know, we're drowning in papers here. So we'll, we'll, we'll try and keep it at 30,000 feet. One of the more heavily redacted sections deals with their own social media campaign okay. as to how they tried to get into the minds of you and me and whatever we were searching on. And our viewers write and they say, well, give me an example of this. And there, there, there are a few examples in the Mueller report. Miners in Pennsylvania. Um, I don't know what was behind it. I don't know what the intention was. I don't think people are stupid. I, for the life of me, I covered that campaign 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There was nothing I came across that I thought was amiss. So how would I or how how would you or somebody who's online even identify it?
1: Well, you couldn't really identify it. But given the resources that were put into that, which were relatively slim, um, as compared to the resources that the campaigns themselves put into the campaigns, which were huge, we're talking billions, um, and at most we're talking maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars on behalf of on Russia. behalf of Russia. Um, it obviously is make a dime's worth of difference in the outcome
0: because it changed no votes.
1: Because if it changed any votes, you can count them on the fingers of one hand and have enough Sorry, left I, over to play I, the piano. I, I, should,
0: <laughs> I should be more clear. There is no evidence that any votes were changed as a result of their meddling. Correct. But you would argue this goes back to 1917. Oh, This sure. is Vladimir Lenin, 1917, Soviet Russia they were. Look,
1: the, the Russians have been messing with the West generally and with the United States specifically since since the communist revolution. And this is of a piece with that. Um, It's more advanced, obviously. They didn't have the internet in 1917. Um, And they're going to have it in the next election. And that's not to to minimize um, the seriousness of it in the sense that that it's something we ought to combat. But let's have a sense of proportion here. Um, It's of a piece with what's gone on before. It's not something brand new. Nor is was it something that appears to have been particularly effective.
0: This is interesting because I'm uh, I'm understanding we can divide this now in two parts. Our conversation: the first will be on the collusion, and then we'll get into the obstruction charges that are listed in the uh, in the Mueller report. Continue now. You opened up by saying on page one they suggest July of 2016. Right. That's when the counter Uh, a counter-surveillance program began with the Trump campaign. And you stated that you think it started before that. Yes. Just so our listeners know, that was apparently George Papadopoulos had this conversation at a bar at a hotel in London at 11 o'clock at night, and some guy said, hey, we've got some dirt on Hillary Clinton. We've got some emails, correct? And so many believe that was the genesis of James Comey's actions against Trump, and you are shaking your head no. I don't explain. Um, a couple of reasons. First of all,
1: um, George Papadopoulos was a to say to say he was a junior is to exaggerate his his importance and his background. Um, this is a guy who was in his twenties, um, whose idea of inflating his resume was to say that he had participated in some model UN. Um, he he was not a person of of any significance or knowledge. But secondly. There is a passage, I believe, in the House Intelligence Committee report, in a House Intelligence Committee report going back months and months and months um, that talked about a meeting uh, that took place long before July of 2016. It took place probably in February or March of 2016 that related to Carter Page um, and related to either a trip that he took or a trip that he was planning to take to Russia. Carter Page, you know, you remember, was the person who was the subject of the uh, FISA surveillance that the Mm -hmm. FBI eventually got. This meeting coincided with Carter Page joining the The Trump campaign. campaign. And Carter Page was somebody that the FBI had looked at before, had spoken to before, Mm -hmm. who had spoken to them before, um, and who was a uh, a kind of Russia enthusiast, and— when he joined the campaign um, and when Paul Manafort joined the campaign, which was months before, that became the subject s- – certainly Carter Page became the subject of a meeting by the National Security Council. Again, this is the Obama administration, National Security Council. And that, I believe, will be found to have been the time that – Suggesting
0: this the surveillance began six or seven months prior to. But wh- why would that be important?
1: It would be important because it would suggest that um, the administration had undertaken an effort to infiltrate or to um, approach the Trump campaign long before uh, Papadopoulos mm-hmm. makes this statement, um, and then I mean it also suggests that they were they were put in a in a funny position. Do they go to the campaign for for a, a, a preventive briefing, um, or do they instead? Let people start having conversations with people in the campaign, and apparently they opted for number two rather than number
0: one. Why? And this question's been asked. What, I'm curious to know what your answer is. Why would the FBI not inform someone on the Trump campaign that you're rubbing shoulders with some guys that we're that we find suspicious? Right.
1: Um, that's indeed
0: an excellent question, and I
1: think that that may very well be something that ought to be looked at. Um, in an investigation relating to the start of this of this inquiry. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think the inquiry was triggered by or started because of or simply because of a Papadopoulos remark in a wine bar in 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 uh, London.
0: very interesting. Carter Page has been exonerated through this too, we should state. Yes, of course.
1: And what's interesting is that when they got well, one of the things that's interesting is that when they got a a FISA warrant on Carter Page, Carter Page is an American citizen. Um, In order to get a warrant on an American citizen under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, you have to show not only that he may be an agent of a foreign power, but also that he's involved in the commission of a crime. And that showing um, was based apparently on Steele,
0: which of course was was a— Steele dossier. Correct. um, Which— we now know is something that was, that was totally unreliable. Um, it is said that the dossier was mentioned only once, over 448 pages.
1: Why? I didn't write the 448 pages, so I can't tell you why. But mm-hmm. um, it certainly deserved perhaps more analysis than
0: it got. So. Maybe it will because what Bill Barr said two weeks ago is that he's putting together a team, to borrow his words... That will look into the surveillance of the Trump campaign. What would you expect from that?
1: I don't know what to expect from that because I don't know what that investigation would show. But I do know that investigation is warranted because we have not gotten um, the full and complete story of how this began. And I think
0: we ought to get it. When we started our conversation, you said this is going to be with us for a long time still. Through 2020?
1: I don't know that either. I know that there are people who don't want to give this arrest, and by this I mean the underlying allegations with respect to the president. Um, that's their choice, I suppose. They can keep talking about it.
0: Well, Bill Barr will be on the, uh, the Hill in a couple of weeks, and I imagine Bob Mueller will be there probably mid-May. I mean, you, you've highlighted – I'm looking at your notes here, and you, you've gone through it page by page.
1: For some of it I mean I, virtually know, I can't I cannot claim to have gone yeah. through so every you, single page
0: you're reading yesterday you're reading last night you're probably reading a little bit more today and right. what what do you what do you come away from uh, with
1: this well um, you are talking about volume one now? yeah volume one volume one um, that I want an answer to the question that I asked at the beginning which is when did they realize that there was no there there ie that there was no. Coordination between the um, the Trump campaign and the Russians, because the basis for appointing a special counsel is supposed to be that there, number one that there is a crime, and number two that it's a crime that can't be investigated by the Justice Department or shouldn't be for 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 reasons relating to to public controversy or conflict or whatever. Um, but there has to be an underlying crime. The start of this investigation was based not on a criminal a, a criminal inquiry at all. Um, what Rod Rosenstein put in his initial appointment of Robert Mueller was that he was to follow, he was to pursue the investigation that was referred to by James Comey in testimony in March uh, before um, the uh, I believe the House Intelligence Committee. Well, that in that inquiry was a national security investigation. It was not a criminal investigation. So the whole appointment was not valid even under the even under the regulations that provide for the appointment of a special counsel, um, which is, again, part of what will be intriguing about finding out how this actually got started. What
0: do you think Mueller should have done if he if he had evidence or information that there was no collusion, should he have Preempted the announcement. I. What would be? What, what do you think the right answer I for you would preempted, be Preempted.
1: I don't know about preempted the announcement, but certainly um, should have told us about it beforehand. Uh, before before wrapping up um, an investigation into what would that collusion?
0: have? What would that have done?
1: Taken the edge off? I should think. It would have taken the the speculation, the edge in the speculation. You remember the the. Um, the exercise that was engaged in by, understand, people get their get their news through largely through through uh, or substantial part through television broadcasts. The number of television broadcasts that would that involved people sitting around conference tables, um, inhaling their own and other people's exhaust um, and getting high on it. I mean, I, I there's a large number of them. People talking about. This indictment having this significance, or that indictment signaling that the walls were closing in on the White House, I mean, how often did you hear that? Mm. If that was not true and known to be not true at the time, then somebody should have said something. About it.
0: Why did he not? Do you think? I have no idea. Do you think there was pressure among those who was working, uh, who were working with him on that team of special counsel prosecutors?
1: Look. The fact is that these things develop a momentum of their own once they start. By these things, I mean special investigations, which is well, I'm not a, one of the reasons I'm not a fan of special anything. Um, I'm a fan of doing things in the normal way, uh, through the normal channels. Um, the short of it is I don't know. But I do know that they must have known pretty a lot earlier than we found out. That there was no obstruction case, that there was no collusion case, mm-hmm. or or no case of of collusion. Of course, is not a crime at all. But there was no case involving coordination in a criminal in a criminal way. Particularly when you consider that the crime, the only crime I know of, was the hack, and that was that was complete when the Russians did it. And the only people who've been charged with that are Russians, who of course are never going to appear in the United States courtroom.
0: A couple dozen, as I recall, charged. Whatever. A first volume, about 200 pages. Let's move to volume two, about 182 pages in length. Was there anything else you wanted to say on volume one? Not particularly. Did we cover? (laughs) I have a bunch of notes that I was taking on Thursday uh, based on a lot of the interviews we have with Rudy Giuliani, Andy McCarthy, et cetera, on Fox. Tell me what you concluded based on what you have read about volume two and the issue of obstruction. I think it's apparent that the, um, the view of
1: obstruction that the Mueller group had is very different from – that is, the view of the scope of the obstruction statute is very different from the view that the attorney general has. But what struck me about this is they go up up one side of the mountain, down the other, and um, come out saying, well, um, we can't uh, say that, that there was obstruction. On the other hand, we can't say there wasn't. Well, that's not, that's not the job that a prosecutor either brings a charge or doesn't bring a charge. Even when a jury returns a verdict, it doesn't return a verdict of innocent. It returns a verdict of not guilty. So if you don't have enough evidence to bring a charge, then that's the answer from the standpoint of a prosecutor. That's your job. Again, the regulations say that the prosecutor, that the special, uh, sorry, the special counsel um, is supposed to report on indictments, Reasons for indictments and reasons for not bringing indictments. Nothing else.
0: So why did he split the
1: baby on that? Um, I think because, well, in part, um, he may not be aware that the reason they call the story about splitting the baby the wisdom of Solomon and not the cruelty of Solomon is that the baby ultimately was not split, Mm. if you remember the biblical story. Solomonic. Right. Right. Otherwise, it would, the story would concern the cruelty or the barbarity of Solomon, not the wisdom of Solomon. Um, why did he split the baby? I don't know. I don't read minds. But this is a brief for Congress to consider impeachment. But that's not – again, that's not what he's here for.
0: There are things in here that are embarrassing to the president, the conversations that have been relayed to members of the special counsel. At first glance, you, you sometimes – I found myself shudder. I I don't think it was quite the blue dress of 20 years ago. I I just wonder how this wears on people over time. In other words, once you hear it and you hear it a second time, does it still have the, uh, the, the same impact? But Rudy Giuliani yesterday, he argued for a year, there will be no interview with my client. Jay Sekulow did a similar thing. And there wasn't an interview, but there was a question and answer to which the president provided these written answers, many of which he said, I do not remember, I do not recall, and that was uh, repeated over and over again. Giuliani said, I'm quoting now, his intent was to not get framed, referring to a perjury trap, and that's the reason why they would not sit down for an interview. He won that argument. Yes,
1: I think it was a a very wise decision on his part, if I assume he was the person who made the decision, and on the president's part, to follow his advice. He doesn't always
0: follow lawyers' advice. Mm -hmm. So Andy McCarthy says, the issue here is corrupt intent. Andy McCarthy, former federal prosecutor, walks us through a lot of things. He says, the most significant thing I see here is a profound disagreement between Mueller and Barr regarding what constitutes obstruction as a matter of law. You want to translate that? Yeah, the um,
1: – Mueller, I think, discusses this issue largely in the abstract um, as if he were not talking about this investigation or the fact that the person whose activities he's looking at uh, and analyzing under the in, in the grid of obstruction is the president and what his powers and abilities are so that, um, for example, if he tells somebody um, – I want to fire Mueller. Um, call up and fire Mueller. Well, the president could have fired Mueller time. He is the president. <laughs> the, the fact that it didn't get done, there are a lot of bad ideas that don't get pursued. You might analyze that one way if you were talking about a layperson person uh, acting in a different situation. You might talk about the, the direction to do something in one way. But when it's the president who could do it himself
0: and doesn't do it, that is analyzed, I think, in a different way. What I said was you can huff and puff at anyone, anywhere, but unless someone takes action or you take action, there is no crime. Do you agree with that? I do.
1: And to say that, well, the huffing and puffing is intended to influence the investigation, um, let's go back to whether you can be said as the president, to obstruct a national security investigation if that's what it was. National security investigation is conducted not for anybody's, not for the benefit of the system. It's conducted for the president. And he can terminate a national security investigation anytime he wants. Mm. If it's a criminal investigation,
0: then um, that's a whole, that's a a different thing. Mm -hmm. Back to this phrase, corrupt intent. What McCarthy argued is that it's overcome by the evidence that cuts against it, meaning the White House gave a million pages of documents, meaning the president's attorney, Don McGahn, sat for 30 hours, meaning that there was a level of cooperation between between the White House and the special counsel. Does one cancel the other out? It's not a question of canceling it out so much
1: as it is of making it uh, dubious to draw draw the conclusion that somebody had corrupt intent by doing X, if, if he's done Y, that is inconsistent with it. Um, if you're trying to figure out somebody's intent, you evaluate everything that he's done, both the good and the bad. Um, if you can't come to a conclusion, and apparently the Mueller folks could not come to a conclusion, then the decision is not to charge.
0: Take it to page 78. Quotes. Everyone tells me if you get one of these independent councils, it ruins your presidency. It takes years and years, and I won't be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. And apparently prior to that, he said something that I I won't repeat. Right. You could probably imagine, if you were president, a very similar reaction. Correct. When somebody –
1: when you get the news that a special counsel has been unleashed on you, um, then – of course, it's going to influence the course of your presidency. To the to the certainly as as long as that inquiry goes on. Which suggests why he he wanted to bring it to an end, so that he could deal with his agenda um, as it in fact existed. And particularly when you consider that the investigation was of a non crime
0: um, that makes it somewhat irksome and burdensome. Let me just read from Barr's statement that he made on Thursday morning. The president was frustrated and angered by a sincere belief that the investigation would undermine his presidency, propelled by his political opponents, and fueled by illegal leaks. How much consideration did Barr give that? Because it would appear that he gave it a lot of consideration. I don't know how
1: much consideration. How much consideration did he give it in reaching the decision not to prosecute? Correct. I don't know how much consideration he gave it, but certainly the very fact of the conclusions, wholly apart from that, um, the conclusions of the report itself that say we can't, we can't recommend a prosecution here. It's not just because you can't prosecute the president. They said they, did, did, they didn't have enough to make a determination one way or the other. That's enough it seems to me, to say there's going to be no prosecution
0: here. Does, ba- does Barr arrive at that by reading Mueller's report? For example, if there, are, if there are a dozen White House officials who speak with the special counsel and they all say the same thing, they say, oh, yeah, he, he knew the walls around him were caving in. Is, is that reason enough for Barr to draw a conclusion as to what the president was thinking?
1: Again, you'd have to you have to ask Barr that question not me as a matter of law is that something that happens? It is something that happens and the fact is that it is Barr's determination to make as to whether there's going to be a prosecution that's his job. So the notion that somehow he interfered or intervened is ridiculous unless of course this was never intended for that and was intended as I said
0: as a brief for impeachment um, which it should not have been. Mm-hmm. Ken Starr has a lot of experience with this. Um, About a week ago, he said, we're about to enter a period of enormous frustration and acrimony. Are we?
1: Um, I yield to his expertise. Um, So far, he's absolutely right. Uh, We've had frustration and acrimony um, on both sides and all sides. And um, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Mm -hmm.
0: To that point. Particularly if
1: the investigation relating to how this got started proceeds as I think it will. Yeah.
0: W- will Bob Mueller testify in front of an open hearing in Congress? I should think. Yeah. Would you like that? I'll watch it. I mean, I, you know, I, would I like it? No.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't. Again, a special counsel under the regs is supposed to be appointed to investigate, um, prosecute or not prosecute, and explain the reasons in a confidential statement to the attorney general. That's all. Um, the special prosecutor. The special counsel, I should say, is not supposed to be a personage, supposed to be a person of integrity, mm-hmm. but isn't supposed to become a big personality. Um, and this is not a matter of big personalities. It's supposed to be a matter of procedures carried out by trustworthy people, yes. But we don't have um, people who are stars in this and, and, and who can therefore uh, do things that are outside the rules. James
0: mm-hmm. Comey was the best example of that. I just have a few more. And if we're missing anything that you think is relevant, you put it on here. OK. OK. Uh, Brad Pasgrout runs the Trump campaign for 2020 reelection. In the middle of all this on Thursday, he put out a statement from the campaign and it concludes the following way. Now that the collusion and obstruction conspiracy theories have been exposed for the pathetic hoaxes they always were, The Obama-era DOJ and FBI must answer for their misdeeds and the scam that they perpetuated against the American people, he concludes by saying justice will be served. What's coming our way? That's, um, I think, a highly rhetorical
1: statement about what he thinks the outcome of the the investigation will be that – as to which the attorney general has said he's assembling a team. That's what he's – that I assume is what he's talking about. Whether that, all of that rhetoric is going to be fulfilled or not, I don't know. But certainly, the subject ought to be explored. And um, if this originated within the Obama administration as something other than um, the kind of investigation that was, was referred to on page one of, of volume one, then that's something we ought to be aware of because it's something that shouldn't happen again. Is the special counsel law a good one? There is no special counsel law. There are special counsel regulations. And as the regulations are drawn, no, because it leaves open too much um, in the way of of um, possibilities for for abuse. And I think part of that's part of what we're seeing now. Mm. Um, Victoria Tensing has a wonderful article in the journal suggesting changes in those regulations. and that's something that, the attorney general could put in place because well, we're, we're, Cong- congress allowed the special counsel law to lapse because they didn't like it that was the that was the um uh, that was the uh, those were that was the law that that said that that the uh, that that underlay the Ken Starr investigation they didn't want that to continue they allowed that that law to lapse and there were regulations instead that were put in place under the clinton um, uh, in the clinton justice department those regulations can be amended by the justice.
0: Department I think now. simply put, Ken Starr worked outside of the Department of Justice, but Bob Mueller worked under it. And Victoria Tensing is suggesting what and how you can make it better. She's suggesting putting some limits
1: on what it is that can be disclosed. She's suggesting um, uh, a number of of amendments that would focus. Um, Special counsel investigations would prevent disclosures about people who are not being charged um, and would prevent the circus atmosphere that we're talking about or that we're functioning in Mm. now.
0: What's the chance of that happening? Um,
1: I hope it's good. I hope it's good. I hope it's something that would have to happen, I think, after um, the kind of investigation that
0: that the attorney general is talking about about, uh, starting. It's been a remarkable ride, and as you pointed out at the beginning, it is not over. Judge, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Did we miss anything? Look, it's it's 400 pages. It's probably (laughs) something we missed. Enjoy reading. Thank you. Judge Michael Mukasey, the former attorney general, with me today. Thank you so much for your insight. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time.